Welcome to episode 37, unofficially, of Talk Hard, presented by Walk Softly Films. Uh, just want to take a second to thank everybody for listening, for sharing, for reviewing, for giving us those stars. Uh, with me, as always, Scott Stafford from High Top Frankfurt. Where everything is collapsing here at the... St- at, uh... On the state level, we're, yeah, we're really bringing doom and gloom to everyone statewide. <laughs> All right, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, well, why don't I jump in and you talked about iTunes reviews. Yeah. Can I just walk everybody through this? Because I incorrectly said you can't leave us a review on your phone, and I just discovered you can. So We'll do it. So let's walk this through. Ah! So, if, okay. If people are probably listening on their podcast app right now, so what you do is down at the bottom there on your iTunes, uh, your podcast app, just you know, at the bottom right of your phone, you'll see the search. Go to the search, put Talk Hard in there. So don't go to the you know the thing where you're already subscribed to us because we know you're already subscribed because you're a great listener. Uh, but put Love it, you. put it in the search. Talk Hard comes up, bang, there it is. There, click on our little icon. When it comes up there, there's some tabs right up top, and the one in the middle says Reviews, and you can go to that, and uh, there's a button right there that says Write a Review, and there you go. You can leave stars in a review. It's like a what? A three-step process right on your phone. You don't have to go to a stupid desktop or anything, and it's going to be easy, and we're going to love you for it. So convenient. Yeah. And you're going to be one of 20 entries to get a T-shirt. There's about 18 spots left for you to get in there and win a Space Cops T-shirt. So leave those reviews and them stars, everybody. Do it. Help (laughs) us out. Uh, Scott, do you want to run down what we're going to talk about on this exciting edition of Talk Hard? I think Todd's going to be excited because we're going to talk Gremlins 3. Uh, we got Bill and Ted three, so it's a it's an '80s explosion uh, trilogy time too. Maybe we'll talk a little Batfleck, James Gunn. We're gonna talk about Jim Cameron throwing a little Wonder Woman shade. We always gotta hit Wonder Woman and James Cameron (laughs) and James Cameron. So we can combine the two together. And I know what most of you people out there are thinking, and that is, gosh, Todd, whose side do you take on that one? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> that's right. And then we're going to talk about a super creepy screening of It that's planned in Texas, and so you're going to hear all about that. And uh, the worst box office take uh, in 16 years at the uh, this weekend, so not not good. Not a good summer going for Hollywood out no. there. And we might talk about 80s songs. Yeah, just let's just throw that in there. All right, let's do it. Um, before we get going into that, though, <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't. I think we. I think. I think our Japanese following deserves another shout oh, out. Oh, how can you ignore our fine Japanese listeners? Now, listen, guys. Uh, my father, Kirby Stafford, 
thinks he might be on to what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah. He, I'd love to hear. In fact, he says he may be responsible for this following in the great country of Japan. Now, hold on. <laughs> That's what he says. That's what he says. He's take, <laughs> he says he's solely responsible. So uh, you may or may not know that, that Kirby went to, my dad went to Japan and painted a famous wall up there that uh, various artists go up there and paint, and it gets switched out every so often. Um, while he's there, there was, there's, a, there's a television crew filming him, so they're, they're constantly dealing with them, some, some people that are responsible for the wall. Well, apparently he told everybody he could about Talk Hard, <laughs> so he's saying that's the end, and I I don't know if it's just that those those you know handful of people are just spreading it all across the country. They're Shogun warriors riding across the the lands, spreading the word of of great American movie talk. From you know, I mean, it sounds far fetched, but until I hear a better explanation, I think we got to go with it. And if you're listening out there in Japan. You know, send us a message. You can find us yeah. on uh, at com, and, and there's a place on there you can contact us. You, you can put write it in your review that you're going to leave. Um, you can just tell us, like, look, yep, Kirby Stafford. That's why I'm listening. Yeah. So we Write want... it in Japanese if you want to. We have Google Translate. Absolutely. And uh, konnichiwa, everybody. All right. Yomo. There it is. All right, let's get going into some... Movie talk, shall we? This is what we do on this show. It's what we do. Let's uh, let's let's start at the top. Uh, Chris Columbus, director and writer of the first Gremlins, but he didn't have anything to do with the second one, if I'm correct. Um, but he's talking of a third of a third Gremlins. The script is written, right? Yes, and he says I'm really proud of the script. It yeah. is it is as twisted and dark as anything, so we'll see. That's a that's an incredible that's an incredible quote. <laughs> yeah. Gremlins 3 script. It's as twisted and dark as anything. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh he basically Strangler? <laughs> I mean, I that's something. Uh he, he continues, uh, I, I wanted to go back to the really twisted sensibility of the first movie. I found that was a very easy place for me to fall back into and start writing again, so hopefully we'll see that movie soon. Um, so de- definitely the the first one was a little more dark than the second one, right? Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. The second one was a little goofy. Yeah. Um. What do you what do you think, Todd? Are you a Gremlins fan? I am. As long as Joe Dante directs it, then I'm all for it. Uh, if they don't get Joe to do it, then they can just you know they can go fly up their own butt. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why the Japanese like us so much. That's right. You, We're gonna say it as is. They get to no, Joe Dante. Listen, I like Chris Columbus. I really do. I think he's he's a talented man. But Joe Dante. Brought that, brought that. What was on the paper? He brought that to life in a cartoonish kind of way, and any any Joe Dante movie is better than any James Cameron movie. A lot of jo- Joe Dante love. Wow, really? And more James Cameron hate. <laughs> well, it's just, baby, it's the truth. 
baby. <laughs> That's all. Sorry. All right. All right. Um, he a, one one interesting note is he says very minimal CGI. They're going puppets, and it should be better than last time. You know, some some advancements with puppets, but he he promises puppets and no computers. That's I like that. I'm I do, glad. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I hope they look uh, just like the uh, the Ghoulies. Is that what it was? Is that what we is that what we, what we watched on top? The one now those uh, you those are the hobgoblins. Though the, the hobgoblins, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I did I did see ghoulies <laughs> recently deck. though, so that threw me off. The next time I win force one. Yeah, the ghoulies didn't look much better at all. You though. saw the ghoulies recently? <laughs> yeah, I did. Not well, the wait, not the whole thing, but I, I oh. checked out a little bit of it. And yeah, three or four. I think it was the first one. Yeah, the one where he's coming out of the toilet. <laughs> yeah, uh, which you'll never forget the poster. That was the poster too, right? Oh yeah, because yeah. it says they'll get you in the end. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> and they do. They do. Right there, oh, goodness. So, does it scare you a little that the last thing that Columbus gets credit for writing is the screenplay for Christmas with the Cranks? Mm. He's had a dry spell, hasn't he? I mean, that was 13 years yeah. ago, but I mean, that movie was God awful. Yeah, man. We, we watch it at our house all the time. Why? Henry loves him some crank. Oh man. It's a bad movie. You know, it's, but it's, it's no crazy, crazy strangler though. <laughs> no, it's not that level bad, but it's, it's objectively bad. Yeah. It's got that, it's got that feel good kind of feel. You know, because you see all those recognizable character actors and you just want to be happy. Yeah, I never feel good. I never feel good watching we need, it. We need you to feel a lot better. Yeah, I feel better when I'm not watching it. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I think we can just wrap this whole Gremlins 3 thing up with uh, by saying uh, if they don't hire Joe Dante, Carrera no o Shiri o Tabasu. Oh. Oh, my. <laughs> What is that? Fly up their butt. Oh, and that's exactly. I thought. I thought you were going to go with a uh, Asian director that was setting the world on fire. See everybody, Google Translate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, I really expect our numbers to explode over Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Hey, say fly, say fly up your butt one more time. Do it. Uh, Carrera no Oshiri Otabasu. Take that. <laughs> Sounds right. Um, also, Zach Galligan is going to do it, right? Oh, Gremlins well. 3? Beats me. I, I didn't do that Zach. much research, Alan. Billy? Yeah, Zach. well, I did, and he's going to do it. So. Zach is – if Zach doesn't do it, yeah, there's a there's an issue. I would love to see Phoebe Cates return. As would many men our <laughs> age. Everybody <laughs> that watched Fast Times at Ridgemont High – Ad nauseum. Get away. Yeah. Get break yourself away from Kevin Klein and come on and back out <laughs> into the limelight. Yeah, he just he ruined her, man. She just, that was the only like she had the one part of the first Gremlins that I absolutely hated though. <laughs> yeah. Was it the uh the Christmas story? The Christmas story. Yeah. Like course. that that was pretty rough and yeah. really out of place and just kinda I don't know, it was pretty abrupt. But it sticks with you now. You it see? does stick with you. Remembering it 33 years later. Absolutely, I am. You're right there. Boom shaka. All right, let's uh, let's move on with trilogy talk. 
Bill and Ted 3. There's an update on the plot, correct? There is. Are we excited about this or not? I'm excited about it. Absolutely, yes. I'm a vote I, for yes. I think it's going to be a good thing. Yeah. Uh, it's the 25th anniversary of Bill and Ted's bogus journey this year, guys. Which, can I say, I think is underrated. I liked it. I did, too. Well, a lot of people hated it that's, for some reason. I thought it was really good. That's nuts. But good. I'm glad I'm glad you liked it. Okay. Uh, continue on. No controversy then. What do you think about it, Todd? Oh, and Bogus Journey, by the way, is the is the second one, which is right, why right. some people hate it. I, I I still think the first one I still think the first one's worlds above Bogus Journey. Uh and and the first one, if you remember, it was an Orion movie, and Orion was like in bad, bad straits back in the late eighties. And they actually in I mean, they ended up that thing was on the shelf for I don't know how long. along with a bunch of other movies. Uh, that finally were released because they came out of bankruptcy or whatever. But that was one of those that I had heard about. I was just chomping at the bit to see, and then it didn't come out for like, I don't know, it seemed like at least a couple years after it was ready to go. So so to answer your question, Bogus Journey, uh, yeah, it's, you know, eh, it's okay. Have you heard the uh, the plot, Todd? I have not heard the plot yet for the third from what I've heard, I really like it. And I, and I think they're on a great track with it. And so basically you pick up modern day, just, you know, just real time, you know, between then and now whatever age they would be. And they haven't, uh, reached their potential. They haven't done everything that Rufus said they would do, you know, create world peace with the song. They're still trying to write that song. So I like that, you know, like just that right there. That's a great little concept there. So you you pick up and you've had decades of them trying to write the song and they haven't been able to do it. I like that. And and I can yeah. imagine the frustration because it says they're married and their their marriages aren't going so well. And maybe there's kids and stuff like that. So it's like, yeah, you can imagine like them always saying we have to do this and like how annoyed the families would be and stuff like that. So And they're married to the princesses, right? I think so. Yeah, because oh, wow. of that. Yeah, the 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 girl that played Bill's girlfriend or whatever, um, that like I, I read an interview with her saying that she was she was in and she was like they were talking to her of playing the the wife. So nice to keep that going. They're not going to give her the Elizabeth Shoe treatment then, right? <laughs> right. Oh, is this uh, is this Diane Franklin? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Um, Diane Franklin, man, she was great. She was in. Uh, she was in the last American version. Great role there. She was in Better Off Dead, a really good um, face of the '80s, and really hasn't been seen anywhere. Um, gosh, since I mean, maybe early to mid '90s, just kind of dropped off, as a lot yeah. of you know, as a lot of actresses and actors do. Uh, but yeah, good, to, good to see her coming back. So let's talk. Uh, let's talk about another. Let's move on to the next. Can we do that? Yep. Yeah. This one's uh, this one's right up uh, Sheen Alley here. James Gunn is writing a Starsky and Hutch TV reboot script, supposedly. Wow, TV reboot! How does the lover of Starsky and Hutch feel about that? You know, I mean, um, as long as ABC does it, you know. Have you noticed the? You know, a lot of times these reboots. They end up with a studio yeah, other like, than one that they originally were with. I don't like that. And needs and to, I don't like it. It needs to be on the original uh, yeah, network. Yeah, and I think the first episode has got to be um, Hutch um, 
you know, just uh, socked up with cocaine or <laughs> heroin in his veins. And I think that's where you got to start. Yeah. Either that or the satanic cult. <laughs> I, I kind of hate to imagine what kind of PC garbage they would do with Huggy Bear. Oh, yeah. Well, Huggy Bear won't be a male. He'll be a female, probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I don't know. Juggy Bear. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll be PC. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the real question on this subject is just how much did Hasselhoff cry when he heard this news? Oh my gosh. Cause he was all in for gun helping him with Knight Rider, right? Yeah, he was. He's been pumping that out there as much as he can. <laughs> so I'd say he ate some cheeseburgers and had some drinks. So. Oh, I'd say you're probably absolutely correct. Oh man. We're going through, uh, speaking of Hasselhoff, we're going through, uh, Sons of Anarchy again. And in the fourth season, he plays a, um, a porn film producer oh, nice. who gets to talk about how huge his unit is. <laughs> and you can tell that that dude, nobody has loved saying lines more than Hasselhoff <laughs> talking about how huge he is. <laughs> like he, he thoroughly enjoys bragging about his endowment. But anyway, I digress. Let's talk, uh, speaking that's of... A whole, that's a whole other episode, just that. Yeah. Speaking of people loving themselves and how huge they are, how about James Cameron? Mm. <laughs> he thinks. Cameron had some, had some shade to throw this week, didn't he? Yes, he did. Do you have the quotes there in front of you? I don't, but... Uh, let's see, I've got one. The, the, he says the character is... Quote, unquote, just an objectified icon. It's just male Hollywood doing the same old thing. And get ready for it here. He claimed it was a step backwards from his own Terminator franchise starring Linda Hamilton, who he described as not a beauty icon. Uh, he says... So, you know, he, he basically kind of throws some shade at Wonder Woman while also saying he's the greatest because he made Sarah Connor. And I'll give him credit. Sarah Connor is a great, you know, female character uh, in a time where you had few, and and she is. It's all about just being smart and yeah, uh, strong, and, yeah. and it, she wasn't a beauty icon. So I'll give him I'll give him credit on that. But uh, the internet at large, <laughs> especially the warriors out there, uh, weren't loving his comments. Yeah, he said all of the self congratulatory back padding Hollywood's been doing over Wonder Woman. Has been so misguided. Wow. Yeah. No no bones about it. He didn't hold no. back there, did he? No, he did not. And Patty Jenkins kind of got back with him a little bit too. <laughs> yeah, like they did. went back and forth yes, she uh, did. for a little while. It was it was pretty entertaining. Well, I, I, and you know, I, I've heard it several times, and I don't know if it's just, hey, I'm James Cameron and nobody's talking about me. Yeah. So right. I'm going to, I'm just going to. I'm going to tear these Amazonians a new hole right now. Yeah, I need I need people to be thinking about me and my blue aliens right now because I'm about yeah. to. I got yeah. four coming up. Bam, bam, <laughs> bam, bam. And um, you know, and what is it? Uh, crazy tanium or whatever. What is that? Uh, unobtainium. Unobtainium. Yeah. Crazy. You can't remember it. Um, you know, I, I you know I think that's maybe part of it. Although it, that seems kind of, you know, seems kind of poor taste, you know. 
he's kind of been that guy that's just kind of let his um, his box office, you know, uh, wonder kinds speak for him. Uh, and that's, you know, he's done pretty well with that. But now he just kind of, I don't know, it, it may have been better just to not talk. Yeah, I think that probably the most entertaining and slash infuriating thing that happened through the whole thing was uh, Paul Feig felt like he needed to be heard in all this. <laughs> oh, good. I haven't yeah. heard this. Oh, yeah. He says, I wish James Cameron were, would realize any great leading roles for women are a step forward. Sarah Connor was awesome, and so was Wonder Woman. Said from the dude who did completely set back the movement of women in film and film in general by putting out that horrible Ghostbusters crap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not just female characters, uh, but also black characters in what he did with Leslie Jones' character. I, I thought yeah. that was a massive step back and yep. and just some really base race humor. Anyway. Yes. Yes. So, of all the people that got to chime in, yeah. Uh, Thanks, Paul. Yeah, keep it to yourself, Paul, until you do something worth noting. If everybody doesn't know, he's on the uh, he's on the talk hard crap list. And if you'd like to hear more about that, you can go into the archives and listen to the Ghostbusters episode, <laughs> where we rip him for an hour and a half. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Patty Jenkins wrote that if women quote unquote aren't free to be multidimensional or celebrate an icon of women everywhere because she is attractive and loving, then we haven't come very far, have we? Oh, so there. Well, wow. probably not. Then there it is. It's about that. So those two can can duke it out, and uh, let's let's move on. Do you want to talk about uh, the Batman mess going on right now with oh, old? Oh yeah. Old Benny. What what is going on there? I don't know. It's something new every day. <laughs> it really is. And you constantly hear like and, and we, we do we have at least had confirmation that he's he's not writing it anymore. Yeah. And then we heard, well, maybe he's he's not gonna do it at all. He's not gonna star yep. in them. And then no, he is starring in them. And then now Casey F, like his brother says, he's out. Like my brother says Ben's not doing Batman anymore. And then Warner Brothers comes back and says, nope, he's in. So it's like, what in the heck? Why is Casey speaking for Ben? <laughs> I don't What's wrong? Know. Yeah. Has Ben had a stroke and we don't know about it? <laughs> Something's happened to Ben. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't I don't know what's going on there, but uh they need to get it straightened out and it's 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 not helping any any uh Thoughts I have about how those movies are going to go. No. No, but I mean, he's he's for sure doing Justice League because it's it's coming out. So he's in that one, right? Yes. And so he's and he signed for three. So was Suicide Kings the third? Well, does that count his little cameo in that? Or I guess he, it could because he had a three movie deal he with him. Thinks, he, he's probably thinking to himself, man, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably so. I don't think he wants. I mean, I, I, it's the weirdest thing. He was so torqued, it seemed like to do it, and then yeah, we talked about how he had more to lose than to gain, and yeah, and then he does Batman versus Supes, and then he does Suicide Squad, and then he does this fest called the Justice League, and I mean, just you know, somewhere between when Batman versus Superman was, you know, getting ready to come out, and and now. 
now where we are now and you know his other directorial movie going the wayside last yeah. January. Yeah. Uh you know, it seems to me like he doesn't you know, he just he didn't think before he before he ordered from the menu. Every day it's a new I'm seeing a new story about what they're gonna do with the Joker. And yeah, that's true too, yeah. They had that female led movie uh, what was it called? Angels something, and the Leto was. They were gonna maybe put the Joker in that, and then they were, Then they said, like a couple weeks later, that movie scrapped, and now they're you know, and they're uh, Suicide Squad's getting, being bumped back, and and maybe they're gonna put a Joker. They're maybe they're gonna make a Joker in a, a Harley Quinn movie or something, and use him in that. And so there's all kinds of what are we gonna use the Joker in? And, yeah, Scorsese's in talks to do a Joker movie. Wow. Yeah. I read that one. And then they're also talking about they're going to do another Batman. Warner Bros. is going to do another Batman universe that doesn't have anything to do with the Justice League universe. So it's going to be like an alternate timeline with Batman in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, this whole thing is just getting real convoluted. Because <laughs> yeah. that's what everybody wants, you know? Everybody wants there to be three different Batman universes going on at the same time. Right, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's already confusing enough trying to follow this stuff. Mm, which which set is in more turmoil right now? The uh, the Batman Affleck set or Affleck? I said it like the insurance company. Affleck <laughs> set or uh, the Han Solo spinoff set where there's a new director every other day on that one? That seems to be a little bit of a mess, but I, I got more faith in Disney to to write the ship than I do Warner Brothers. It seems like they have no idea what's going over there at the top. Like it's just always just helter skelter. And yeah, it did make me go from being really excited about the Han Solo to now I have a lot of reservation about it. I can't get. I I never could and probably won't get excited about a Han Solo movie without Harrison. I I can't. I, you know, unless you can regenerate him to. Th- 35 years old uh, it's probably not gonna happen for me to be yeah. excited about until you know until i see that kid and maybe if he's great and i can but until then can't do it or maybe we just you know we just do han solo up uh jonah hex style uh, oh no you know have him maybe maybe early in his life he had he had some facial damage and the 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 technology uh, for plastic surgery hadn't caught up yet. And then it catches up, let's just say, by the time uh, New Hope rolls around. So what we do is a Benjamin Button uh, mm. 180. Anything you, anything you say followed by Jonah Hex style, I'm, I'm going to give the thumbs up to. So. Yeah. <laughs> just a lot of jokes about people's faces. <laughs> talk about, uh, let's talk about this, this screening of It. Yeah, we talked about uh, the Joker. Let's keep, continue on with some creepy clown talk here. Oh, man. See, that's what we do. Man, I tell you what. Uh, I mean, this is just, this is a draft house thing, right? Yeah, let's 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 break it down for everybody. Uh, the Alamo Draft House is hosting a clowns-only screening of it. Gracious sakes. <laughs> so I want to know... First of all, would either of you two like to be in the crowd? Let's say they said one person can go to this not dressed like a clown, and you got picked. Would would either of you like to do that? There's not a chance in hell I'd do it. <laughs> not well, a chance. Especially if you're the only one not dressed as a clown. <laughs> right. 
You're getting clown bullied that whole night. <laughs> and do you think you're really going to make it home alive after that? Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's I a coin flip, it. I think. If they let me sit like in a protected glass booth, <laughs> like the Pope Mobile, they wheel you in in the Pope Mobile and let you watch. But when, yeah. what if they? But then what if they all just like start looking at you and put their hands oh. on the glass? No, I couldn't do it, man. No, would that would freak me to f out. I'd say I would. I would demand that uh, Tim League or whoever come in there and remove everybody since they didn't have the decency to sit there and watch the movie. Because that's why I would have gone there. They, I would demand for that to happen, and then they would have to restart the DCP so I could watch it from the beginning without any of this b b crap. Is that the most terrifying place you can think of to be? Gosh, I, I <laughs> like. Is there a location? That you... Maybe like a swarm of killer bees. <laughs> yeah, or 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 huge hornets or something would be a little more terrifying for me. But it, it's close. Um, that's that's up there, but uh... yeah. I don't know, you know, maybe probably one of these um probably one of these things where you go and you get a, a fifty dollar gift card, but you have to sit through a three hour presentation on a timeshare. It's pretty terrifying. Yeah, that's that's not good. Maybe maybe if a clown was given that presentation well, too. That's what I was getting ready to say. There would be clowns giving the presentation. <laughs> yeah. It'd be bad. That might put it over the top. It would be over I would like to see like a, 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 a like a wide shot of the crowd that goes to this thing though. Like just out of morbid curiosity, I want to see the group that goes to it. <laughs> yeah. 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 We definitely need pictures of, of the yeah. audience. Alan, tell us about the worst box office take. Man, so the big movie this weekend, this past weekend, was the Hitman's Bodyguard. It was in number one with $10 million. But this was the worst weekend for movies, box office. I mean, as far as like box office number goes, the worst weekend since 2001. What? Like, wow. I mean, that's insane. As much as movie prices have gone up. Yeah. Like, this is a, the total intake. Um, of the box office was the worst since 2001. That's not for that's not for inflation or anything. It's it's the worst. Um, and we're still in August, which is t- you know it's still for the most part it's summer movie season still. Yeah, it still is. Yeah, and it's yeah. I think Annabelle was in second with like eight million or something like that, and then like I guess it just the numbers just fell off the face of the earth. But that's like that is crazy that we're. In the in the middle of like you said in the middle of August still in summer season and and we've we've reached the 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 valley of maybe this decade as far as people going to the movies. Mm. What the heck's going on? Like, I, I, there's a lot. Of, I think there's a lot of things that Hollywood's shooting herself in the foot with. Um, but I, I honestly I didn't know it was at that point until I saw the numbers this weekend. To the point of where just people just aren't going, right? Uh, Why do you all think that is? This weekend, I guess you can attribute a, 
you know, a small portion of it to the hurricane. Um, you know, they probably yeah. wiped out, you know, you wipe Texas off the board basically of, of, you know, attending movies, I guess. So that's a little bit, but yeah, they just a continued trend, right? Of people staying home and, and, and Hollywood struggling to find a way to put people in the seats and get them to go to a, an actual theater. And uh, it speaks to people weren't buying in, obviously, on the uh, the hitman's bodyguard, which I was hoping involved Bret Hart. But and if it had, <laughs> I, I, I think maybe would have done better. Well, they'd have got my eight bucks, that's for sure. <laughs> I'd have been there opening night if Bret was in it, or if even if it was about him. But um... man, I just uh, I think what it is, it's it's. Um... You know, how, I, I, lazy. I mean, it's laziness. You you see you see some of the you know everything that's good, everything that makes money. It, there is there are no original anything out there that's that's just making waves. Because I mean, all the original stuff, all the independent stuff is still that. It's independent, so it's low budget. Uh, it's going to Amazon Prime or it's going to Netflix. Um, you know, th- these, those, those kind of movies that have a lot of thought into them, uh, aren't making it to the theaters, um, the way they used to. And so what we're dealing with now is, you know, some short sighted people that think that we just want to watch comic book movies, uh, or sequels. And uh, as we've talked about recently, the, the that's not a guaranteed yeah. recipe for su- success. Yeah, banking on these franchises and banking on these universes everybody's trying to trying to create and all this stuff, it's just not it's not working. And also I think that there's so much good stuff on TV now. People don't have to go out to be entertained. They don't have to go out and spend fifteen bucks at night to 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 go see the Hitman's bodyguard when like we were talking about earlier, Ozark is like I, I don't think you ever gave your opinion on it. Uh, Scott, what you're talking about, Ozark's great. And, like, we have sat home this week and watched a lot of Ozark instead of going out to the to the movies to see anything. Um, yeah. Like, the stuff on TV is better than the stuff you can go pay triple what you're going to pay for a Netflix subscription yeah. for one movie. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And the golden age of television, which it really is and has been for about 10 years now, uh, is absolutely contributing to slumping numbers uh at the box office and and has to be and just like you said you're also buying in on two hours if you go to the movies whereas you know 10 bucks on netflix for a whole month uh you're investing in 10 hours sometimes uh you know one of those shows is giving you 10 hours of return on that investment you can just gobble it up and uh yeah, if, if you're looking at, at one of those shows that you love and that are, they really are so great, and the writing is great and the production is great, and then you, or you could go see uh, Ryan Reynolds, you know, <laughs> protecting the hitman or something. That, then Sam Jackson, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you can, you can. I, I think that's a great point uh, and and a, a huge part of why uh, where this is coming from. Yeah, TV's just so good right now because there's so much competition. And I think Hollywood is pandering mm-hmm. a lot because there's not – like they, they compete a little with each other, but they're the, movies, it's the only game in town, man. You're And and it's like you all are going to come and see us no matter what kind of crap we put out there. 
And I do think it is a mistake to uh, make the switch uh, that Hollywood kind of made the switch to and became completely franchise focused and went Mm -hmm. away from uh, creating movie stars. Yeah. And that, you know, and that there was probably for a couple reasons because they fell in love with the the big dollars and the big tent poles and what franchise could give you. But also, like, maybe we won't have to pay these people enough if we don't make them mega stars. But I think stars probably still do have a lot to do with why people come to the movies. And it was a mistake to downplay that, that like they have for, you know, yeah. for a decade now. And then maybe they're they're uh, reaping what they sowed there a little bit. Yeah, who was? I mean, who was the last like movie star? Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who would you all say? Because I'm trying to think in my head. Harrison jumps into mine. Tom Cruise. Yeah. Tom Cruise yeah. certainly. So he, you know, he's still out there. So that brings us up to uh, Hanks. Still, yeah. still working. Yeah, Tom Hanks is a good one. I mean, everything he does is pretty good, except for the Da Vinci crap. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. I mean, Schwarzenegger and Stallone probably were at the, at that time. Was Johnny Depp at one time, maybe? Definitely during the, he may be the last one where they yeah. sold him, you know, that he was what they were selling. Uh, might, yeah. might be Depp, uh, on Johnny those, Depp, those maybe pirate Wilson movies. Did. Yeah. Yeah. Those are probably the last, the most recent ones I can think of. Clooney. Clooney just never really. I don't. I don't guess he just ever made it over the over the the summit, did he? Um, I mean, he was on track to be that kind. Yeah. On that note, uh, let's just take a break right here, and uh, we'll be right back with more talk hard. All right, our bumper music there, uh, as we always use, winning uh, by Santana from 1981. Um, And that kind of gets me to thinking. um, Last week or the week before, right before I I had to uh, drop my daughter off at Eastern Kentucky University, and I'm not going to talk about that too much because I might get a little emotional, so let's (laughs) let's just talk about when she was here and and brighter brighter days. But... uh, uh, she was asking me, like, as a child of the 80s, if I had to pick one song from the 80s, what would it be? Like, if I could only listen to one 80s song forever, what would it be? My favorite 80s song. And it took me a while to to think of. If you all had to come up with that, I know Todd could. But if you had to come up with that, like, on the spur of the moment, Scott, could you do it? One pops into my head. I don't. I wouldn't be able to give you the best song of the '80s. I would. I would agonize over that one for yeah. a month to give somebody my official call on what I think you're the right, best '80s right. song is. But one does pop into my head, so I would go with my favorite one-hit wonder from the '80s of all time would be "Your Love" by The Outfield. Josie's on a vacation far away. Just wanted you 
push your love tonight. Oh. I think that's a, an amazing song. I love that song. Absolutely jam that song. That's not a bad call. I don't no, know. Yeah, exactly. The best opening of of maybe any song mm. for me. Like I love the way that thing just fires into it, and he's he's upper register right from the get go. You know, it just it comes out, and he's you know he's already neck deep in it as soon as it starts. Wow! Huh? I would never have guessed a song by the Outfield uh, by you. I would not have. I would not have guessed that. There you go. I like it though. I like that call. Um, well, what crowded what crowded house song did you choose, Todd? <laughs> well, yeah, what's well, your favorite I, song, Todd, and why is it crowded house? Well, <laughs> obviously, my favorite group of all time is Crowded House because they are the greatest rock band of all time. Um, and if you also want to hear that debate, go back in the archives. Yeah, because that's the most probably the most controversial, <laughs> yeah. the most animosity I've ever felt between two people on this show <laughs> was when the debate waged between whether Crowded House was the best, the best uh, band of all time or not. But so go back and check that one out if you haven't already. But anyway. oh yeah, it's 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 fabulous listening, folks. It, it's good uh, stuff. Uh, but anyway, uh, and you know when you say. What's that one song? I, there, I don't think there's one. I don't think there's any one song that I could listen to over and over. Um, but when I think of a song that kind of, um, I guess, is a microcosm of of a decade, um, and 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 it so happens that you know Crowded House was formed in the, the '80s out of the ashes of Split Ends. Um, but the song that they have, you know, uh, their first hit, uh, Don't Dream It's Over, is a song that is still relevant today just because of the, the lyric and the message. you've got a lot of people playing it. Uh, you know, a lot of people were playing it uh, back in November after the election was over, um, you know, cause they were, you know, obviously thinking about driving off of a bridge or other, other high, high end places. And um, so, you know, it's kind of one of those songs that does have a, you know, a lot of emotional relevance uh, and it's been, and that song's 31 years old. So Don't Dream It's Over is a good one. It's, um, and it's, uh, you know, as I said many, many months ago when we talked about uh, the best band of all time, um, you know, it's, uh, it's they're, a, they're a group that doesn't really fit into the 80s. They're one of the few bands from the 80s that has still kind of uh, stayed alive after the 80s, um, even though they were, you know, they had a 10 year hiatus and they're kind of on a break now, but uh, you know, a lot of the bands from the eighties, I mean, the bands that you see that are still together from the eighties are the ones that are on reunion tours or they're, you know, they get a cluster with about five or six other bands and they go on these, you know, uh, 
emotional uh, nostalgia tours. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that because there's a lot of music. I mean, I love the 80s. I think the 80s, music-wise, was as talented a decade as you as you could have. Because, I mean, you, you heard Scott's pick. You, you've heard my pick. But you had so much diversity from 80 to 89. Uh, I mean, to you know, the beginning, the beginning of the '80s was you know punk and new wave, and the end of disco, and and then you you know, and then you had you know, then you had that second British invasion, and then you know, you kind of slid into um, you know heavy metal and uh, hair band, and and then rap at the very end. I mean, a lot happened in ten years musically. And if you can't tell everybody, Todd might be a little passionate about '80s music. A little bit. I'd be, I'd be. I, I tell you another band that I really love and I'll, uh, and have loved for many years and still love them, and they're going to put out a new album this fall, and I'm ecstatic, and that's Tears for Fears. Oh, my. I, I knew they were touring right now. Yeah. They were touring with Hall & Oates, man. Could you uh, imagine? That's Hall & Oates, that's a Hall good Oates was another great uh, – you know, the only person that loves Hall & Oates more than me is Joe Vest. And, I mean, gosh, I listened to them ad nauseum. I just loved all their music and they were, you know, they, although they began in the seventies, they were your stereotypical eighties yeah. music group. Well, let me say this about hollow notes. I don't know their full catalog, but man eater is one of the worst songs of all time. It's <laughs> garbage. Yeah. I hate that song so much. We have gotten into this before too. I believe, I believe yeah, I your, so. your hatred of man eater has come out I and, I, and I'm a big hollow notes guy. I love hollow notes. I don't like man eater, um, but if anybody wants to look up, uh, I encourage people to find Aloe Black's version of Maneater from uh, Daryl's House, a TV show that he does. It's fantastic. Like, I don't like Maneater, but Aloe Black did mm. basically like a James Brown version of Maneater. Mm. It's awesome. I, I think this should be an experiment for next week. Alan should have to listen to it, and he'll come all back right. and tell us if, if that uh, changes his opinion of Maneater at all. I'm going to write that down, and I'll look it up. But I'm I'm going in with... <laughs> Give it a chance, Al. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going in with, with, uh, with blinders on. I'll go ahead and tell you that. So what was your pick? The one I picked, and this is probably going to be surprising, and I, it might even get scoffed, but... The one I picked was Africa by Toto. He turned to me as if to say, Hurry boy, it's waiting there for you. I love that song so much. Hey, Toto, Toto is another one of those bands again, and that's a and that was a Joe Vest. I mean, he loved Toto, and I really like Toto too. And that's another band. I mean, uh, you know, a band that you know that couldn't happen today because they were the least attractive group of individuals. Uh, <laughs> no front man that could sell on steamy good looks. It just didn't happen. But Toto is a fabulous band of the 70s and 80s and i i uh, i endorse your pick too alan thank you todd um i felt the rains 
Yeah, in Africa. I, I like that song. I, I give thumbs up to Africa. Yeah, it's probably not my favorite Toto song, but I do like it, and it's hard not to sing along with that one. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it is, it's, and and uh, the little uh, the little flute solo in the middle. Something <laughs> yeah. about that, I like it. Yeah. Uh, for any of our listeners that aren't familiar with yacht rock, by the way, uh, mm-hmm. if you want to learn a lot more about Holland Oates and Toto, a lot of good background there. Uh, the yacht rock web series, look it up. Yeah, and it's hilarious. It's good stuff. Because um, they're like Black and Decker, man. You know, that's right. My number two, can I give my number two? Uh, yeah, 80? I'll give the one I debated okay. also if you all want to do that. So go ahead. There's a caveat because th- there's one hit, one hit wonder that I think that I was thinking about the other day and I was like, man, maybe that's just one of the greatest songs of all time. But I'll give this one. Erasure, uh, A Little Respect by Erasure, I think is a great single song. I don't know if I know that one. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of the lyrics, but I've got oh. the beat in my head. I try to discover a little something to make me sweeter. Oh, baby, refrain from breaking my I was just thinking the other day that, like, from start to finish and the way it's built and and I'm kind of, I was just kind of amazed by it because you hear it all the time. But come on, Eileen, like we, you forget about it because you hear it so much and you're just it, you're mm-hmm. just hit over the head with it all the time everywhere you go. Like any '80s channel is going to play it. It's going to be heavy in the rotation, but. You know, I just kind of sat back and listened to it the other day, and I was like, man, like, that's, like, if somebody is, like, giving a class on songwriting, I feel like Come On Eileen has to be, like, way up there on, you know, you can learn some things from that song. Like, it's amazing. Have you ever heard Jimmy Fallon's bit where he says you can sing any rap song from the 90s to the beat of (laughs) Eileen? I have not heard that. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's worth looking up. It's funny, because it's true. And he it demonstrates it, and it's pretty good. Todd, do you have a do you have a second place vote? If you could, gosh, I've got so many. The eighties, like I said, the eighties are such a special special span of time for me musically. Um, if I, you know, and you know, if we went one hit wonder, <clears throat> and you know what? Well, mine's not a one hit wonder, so you don't have to. Okay. You're not limited to that. Golly, I mean. Um, I tell you what, there's just so many. I don't know where I would begin. I'll tell you one that I really love, and I, every time I hear it, I I love it a little bit more. <clears throat> and that is uh, Urgent by Foreigner. Yeah. Foreigner's got a great catalog. 
Yeah. Yeah, that song you that song was made for um, the opening of one of our films, and uh, along with several others that I've visualized in my head as I drive down the road. Uh, but that one, golly, that just—I mean, it's just a perfect song. Um, it's not their biggest song, but it's just you listen to that song, and I mean, you just can't help but want to—I don't know—punch a window out or something. It's a good feeling. My yeah. second pick was was way off the reservation from all of these, but it would probably be Sweet Child of Mine. For some reason, Guns N' Roses, just when you think of 80s bands, Guns N' right. Roses isn't, doesn't really fall in there. You, you know, they get grouped more with, like, classic rock, I guess. They're just, you know, they're, they're kind of timeless. Yeah. I guess because it's just there's no synth there, so like you just I don't right, know. In, in right. my mind, they don't they don't get locked into uh, lumped in with everybody else. By the way, if anybody loves the music talk from from these musical uh, aficionados on Talk Art, uh, <laughs> <laughs> our our last musical episode was Talk Art Six, where we got into it as the talking about the greatest band of all time. So all it's the way worth- back. Worth a listen. It's very entertaining. I was I, I sat here in the middle of it and and enjoyed every second. Um, one more quick thing before we get on to Force Watch. Uh, I, I got a little news that I heard uh, this week too. Um, Creed Two, Sylvester Stallone leaked it. Shout out to Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> there yeah. he is. Drago yeah. is back. Yeah, that is he really. Yep, Drago will be a featured character in Creed 2. Oh my gosh, I heard rumors, so that's confirmed now? It's confirmed by Stallone and by Drago, by by Dolph. That's amazing, and is the rumor true that uh, Creed's, uh, what's his name, what's the character? Adonis. Adonis, so is it it true that Adonis is going to have to fight Drago's son? Because that was the rumor. I think, unless, unless I'm reading the tea leaves wrong, I think... Adonis is going to fight Drago. Drago. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I yep. don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Shout out to Dolph Lundgren. The question yeah. is, will they bring back Brigitte Nelson? Oh, we can only hope. But apparently, uh, he that like if you watch his in, if you're if you uh, follow him on Instagram, and let's let's be honest, who doesn't follow Dolph Lundgren on Instagram? <laughs> right. Like all he's posting right now are. Uh, videos of himself like going insane working out oh yeah um, and yeah. apparently he's just working out all the time to get back in drago shape for this movie also so. does the flat top come back oh yeah it's got to it has absolutely, to absolutely yes so are we are it would be the same otherwise i want votes what are you more excited about the return of drago or the return of uh daniel larusso and johnny lawrence oh Oh my gosh! Worlds <laughs> collide. <laughs> oh man, I'm still going with uh, Karate Kid. I think. Golly, and that's a tough one. It really it is. is so yeah, tough. It is. Uh, I'm going Drago. <laughs> yeah, I am. Man, Drago captured everything for me that a villain should have been in the '80s. Yeah. And hey, I mean, Johnny Lawrence can't be too far behind, though, right? That's true, but the dude was Russian. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he was. He had an advantage. Johnny was a dude from a valley who was misguided. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I'll go. Which one are you most? Yeah, I'm gonna. gonna I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go break the tie with Drago. And I'll I'll tell you why because uh, I feel like maybe they'll try to maybe they'll try to go a little too serious with and make it a little too dramatic on the Karate Kid thing. And, the dude that wrote it is the one that wrote The Hangover. Oh well, maybe not. <laughs> so, but so I think it may be completely the other way. Yeah, maybe so. So maybe that's maybe, not at all what I was expecting. Maybe too goofy. But no Miyagi. Yeah, and uh, and I, you know, the the Drago thing could just be complete lunacy. So yeah, <laughs> yeah Dolph but, looks good, man. <laughs> he does. He's, he's gonna build up very well. Yeah, and you had like you had Rocky fighting in his fifties, so why not? Yeah, Drago. I think I think Drago looks better. I think uh, Dolph looks better in his fifties than Stallone did. When he did the last Rocky Balboa movie, so I'm gonna uh, go I'm, controversial and root for Drago to yes to kill Adonis also <laughs> to kill Adonis. <laughs> and wow! Then, and then Rocky has to fight again. Stallone did an interview like uh, when they were talking about him coming back for it, to where uh, he had written like uh, a a memoir of Rocky mm-hmm. and like. The stuff he did with Drago in this memoir, like there was one, he said he went with one storyline where Drago got AIDS. (laughs) (laughs) He went with one where, um, like the, um, the, the pressure and everything from him losing to Rocky and that fight got to him so bad he committed suicide six months after the fight. Yeah. And then they actually wrote a screenplay called Red Glove where Drago was banned from Russia and had to go to like Siberia and fought in like this underground fighting, fighting world and had to work his way back into like the ranks of boxers through, through by way, which I honestly, like in the early nineties, would you not have loved that? (laughs) Yeah, maybe Drago (laughs) becomes the protagonist. Yes. What a turn. Yeah. Yeah, but but now like none of those things happen, so now they're just going to make him come back and fight Adonis. So, and that is where we're going to wrap this episode up. Uh, we had an epic recording session in which we also played Force Watch with the Hunt for Red October, uh, but we're going to save that for its own episode. So we'll push that out in a few days, and uh, we've got an interview on the way for you. So lots to listen to. Stay on your toes out there. Remember to walk softly. And talk hard. Well, I hope you come to see me in the movie. And I know that you will plainly see. The biggest fool that's ever hit the big time. And all I gotta do is act naturally.